the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Ezekiel. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. During World War II, the church was convinced that Hitler was the Antichrist and Mussolini was the false prophet. And when they saw panzer tanks lining up against their churches, Christians thought, well, the rapture's going to come. And that didn't happen. So it's dangerous sometimes to always look at, you know, world events and say, this must mean this. But I think it's prudent for us to at least recognize what is happening in our day and see that it is very, very similar to some of the things that Ezekiel is prophesying about here in chapter 38. It can be easy to want to speculate and make all kinds of assumptions about what the Bible talks about. While it's good to study the Bible and try to discern what it's meaning, when it comes to prophecy, there's just no way to fully understand everything that's predicted until it plays out. Today, Pastor Gary gives you plenty of insightful information about the prophecy in Ezekiel. He also reminds you that what's guessed or assumed isn't written in stone as far as what's predicted in Ezekiel. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 38, as he continues his message, Israel and the End Time. I'm going to read from Ezekiel 38, and I'm going to read three sections of this chapter. I'm going to read a lot of verses, but rather than read the whole chapter, I'm going to read it in three sections just so that we get the whole context of what Ezekiel is talking about here. So starting in chapter 38, verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to me, Ezekiel writes, saying... Son of man, set your face against Gog of the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal, and prophesy against him, and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. I will turn you around, put hooks into your jaws, and lead you out with all your army, horses and horsemen, all splendidly clothed, a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords." Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya are with them, all of them with shield and helmet. Gomer and all its troops, the house of Tugarma from the far north, and all its troops, many people are with you. Jump down to verse 10. Thus says the Lord God, on that day it shall come to pass that thoughts will arise in your mind and you will make an evil plan. You will say, I will go up against a land of unwalled villages. I will go to a peaceful people who dwell safely. It's talking about Israel. All of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates to take plunder and to take booty. Now, that's not the kind you shake, all right? It's 
money, it's plunder. Okay, I just have to qualify that because lingo today is, I don't want anybody reading this going, take booty. All right. And to stretch out your hand against the waste places that are again inhabited and against the people gathered from the nations who have acquired livestock and goods who dwell in the midst of the land. Sheba, Dedan, the merchants of Tarshish and all their young lions will say to you, have you come to take plunder? Have you gathered your army to take booty, to carry away silver and gold, to take away livestock and goods, to take great plunder? Jump down to verse 18. And it will come to pass at the same time when God comes against the land of Israel, says the Lord God, that my fury will show in my face. For in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath, I have spoken. Surely in that day there shall be a great earthquake in the land of Israel, so that the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, and the beasts of the field, all creeping things that creep on the earth, and all men who are on the face of the earth shall shake at my presence. The mountains shall be thrown down, the steep places shall fall, and every wall shall fall to the ground. I will call for a sword against Gog throughout all my mountains, says the Lord God. Every man's sword will be against his brother, and I will bring him to judgment with pestilence and bloodshed. I will rain down on him, on his troops, and on the many peoples who are with him, flooding rain, great hailstones, fire, and brimstone. And thus I will magnify myself and sanctify myself, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. And everybody said, Amen to that. So today is part two in a three part series as we bring the book of Ezekiel to a close, a series that I've entitled Israel and the End Times. Again, this is part two. And if you were with us the week before when I launched part one, I mentioned to you that the last 13 chapters of the book of Ezekiel are prophetic in nature. He's writing here in the you know, mid-6th century B.C., but he's looking forward even to our time and beyond. And some of the things in these last 13 chapters have already occurred in some of your lifetimes, and some of the things he writes about have yet to occur. And so, as I mentioned two weeks ago, that the last 13 chapters can be divided into three sections. Uh, the first section we covered last time, chapters 36 and 37, Ezekiel prophesies about the reestablishment of the state of Israel. Well, that happened. That was fulfilled in 1948. And then the last few chapters of the book of Ezekiel, chapters 40 to 48, have to do with the kingdom age, otherwise known as the millennial kingdom. That's next week's study. For today, we're looking at this middle section, chapters 38 and 39, which deals with the battle of Armageddon. And so Ezekiel is prophesying about nations that will converge and what God's response will be to those nations that converge to this climactic battle that most people don't even go to church are at least familiar with in name. You know, most people understand, oh, the battle of Armageddon, you know, there's this big battle that's going to happen. When is that going to happen? We don't know. But Ezekiel talks about things that line up in regards to the battle of Armageddon that I think we can see a glimpse of in terms of the infancy of the formation of some of these things in our day. And I'll talk about it more as we look into this chapter today. So sit back and buckle up because today, get ready for Armageddon. That's what the topic is for today. And I don't mean the 1998 kind with Bruce Willis and Ben Affleck. I mean... The one that is to come starring Jesus, because it's going to be a real war. It's going to be a real battle of all battles. And the Lord is going to return and put an end to all of this. 
And so we're going to talk about that today. Now, if you've invited friends or neighbors and you're thinking, I want you to come visit my church. And now you're worried (laughs) because they're going to leave here thinking, oh, great, the world's going to blow up. And thanks for inviting me to church. It's not going to be that depressing. So just hang in there. But we're going to get through some of the hard stuff before we get to the stuff that is promising and hopeful. Let's pray first. Father, we come before you thankful for the cross, thankful for what you've done for us through Jesus Christ. And as we open up your word now, when we look at the prophecies of Ezekiel, as we continue to look ahead to these things that you've warned us about well in advance, we do pray that our hearts would not become heavy, but that in fact, our hearts would be hopeful because we know how this book ends. And we know that you are always on the throne and that you're coming again. So, Lord, we lift our heads up. We look up. We know that our redemption is near. And we pray that you would help us to persevere and that we would continue to occupy until you come, that we would live out our lives in wonderful ways, influencing our world with Christ, flavoring it like salt, that we might see as many people come to faith in Jesus before the end of the age, Lord. And we know that's your heart, and so we pray that you would use us to that end. And we love you, we praise you, we thank you together. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. There is a classic children's story that was a book many years ago. I remember reading it as a kid. I don't know when it was first written. It later became an animated Disney movie, like in 2005 or something like that, called Chicken Little. How many of you remember Chicken Little? Now, in the book version, Chicken Little was a female. In the movie version, they made the chicken a male. I guess that's fanciful these days, so we're just going to flip genders a little bit. But in the original book, Chicken Little was a female, and here's what happens. An acorn falls on her head, and she begins to think that the sky is falling. And so with great panic, she starts warning all of her poultry pals, all of her feathered friends, all of her bird buddies. Now, I worked on that, friends, so that doesn't come naturally. And thank you very much. They're one person like that. Poultry pals, feathered friends, and bird buddies. And so Henny Penny and Ducky Lucky and Goosey Lucy and Turkey Lurkey all get warned. And they they share the panic. Sky's falling. Sky's falling. And along comes Foxy Loxy. You remember in the story? And Foxy Loxy's like, this is such a great day. And they're like, no, it's not. Not a great day. The sky is falling. We're all doomed. And we're on our way to warn the king. So I lead with that little children's story because I want to lead with a little word of caution. Please do not, in the course of this Bible study, become Christian little. Where you think, oh, doomsday, and the sky is falling, and, you know, disaster is at hand. Okay, don't do that, all right? And the reason you shouldn't do that is because, yes, Armageddon is prophesied as a real war. And, yes, it will really happen. But it also means the return of Jesus Christ. And, yes, and Jesus... And his return is the blessed hope of the church. And so while we read about things that might look like doomsday in our Bibles, and there's plenty of that, I mean, not just here, this is kind of mild compared to like Revelation and other places. We have to always remember that Jesus is coming again and he intends to rescue his bride. And this is what Jesus said in John 14 verses one to three. He said, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You believe in God, trust also in me. For in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you. Listen, 
He's gone back to heaven. He's preparing a place for us. He says, and I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there you might be also. So even his parting words to us before he ascends is to remember he's coming again. So don't be troubled. Don't be anxious. Don't be afraid. Jesus is going to rescue us. He's going to take us to be with him forever. But that said, Jesus even warned us in addition that there will be wars and rumors of wars before his second coming. And Ezekiel's talking about this here in chapter 38. The lead in here in Ezekiel chapter 38 is to let us know that there will be a confederation of nations that will join together and converge against Israel. Their target is Israel. Now, that's the specific target, but the broader target is the God of Israel. So nations will be inspired, no doubt, demonically. You know, anti-Semitism is just really satanically inspired. And so nations with rage and anger towards Israel and towards the God of Israel will converge and form this confederation. And Ezekiel talks about it. And the player who is at the lead of this military campaign is none other than Russia. Now, I don't say that because it's just kind of a fanciful thing these days to blame Russia for everything. Am I right? We're blaming Russia for everything. Okay. Listen, I say that because the Bible actually specifically names Russia as the principal player in this military campaign that's going to happen against the nation of Israel. And this is significant because the second most significant player in this military campaign is Iran. We're going to see here in chapter 38. And this is very timely news because, listen, we're living in a day when I think we are seeing some of this unfold in our lifetime. Never before has there been the kind of alliance between Russia and Iran that there is today. That is very significant in terms of end time prophecy. And Ezekiel, 2,500 years ago, tells us this will be the lead alliance that will come against Israel. Other nations will join them, but this is the lead alliance. So when you look here with me in your Bibles to Ezekiel 38, Ezekiel names six nations, a part of this confederation of nations that will come against Israel, including and led by, as I mentioned, Russia. And I want to point out this to you. Look again at verses 1 and 2. In verse 1, he says, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, set your face against Gog. Circle the word Gog. In the margin of your Bible, write title. This is a person. And Gog is a title like czar or prince. And we know that it's a person because he gets a personal pronoun at the end of verse 2, where God says, And prophesy against him. So Gog is an individual, and Gog is literally a title, meaning either czar or prince, and he is the prince over a region that is called Magog, also there in your Bibles in verse 2, and circle the word Magog. Now, the ancient historians Josephus, Pliny, and Herodotus all said that the ancient land of Magog was the ancient land of the Scythians. And the ancient land of the Scythians was north of the Black and Caspian Seas. So there's great unanimity on the fact that the territory of Magog is Russia, is Russia in modern terms. Furthermore, Meshach and Tubal are mentioned there as part of the territory of Magog. 
Meshach is thought to be, by most Bible scholars, Moscow. And Tubal is believed to be a town called Tobolsk. Tobolsk is in west-central Russia and used to be the Siberian oil capital. So all of these things put together, Gog, meaning czar or prince, Magog, the land of the Scythians, today Russia, perhaps Moscow, Tobolsk, all of this is pointing to Russia. They are the lead military force in this campaign against Israel. And joining Russia in this confederation are five other nations. And the first on the list in verse 5 is none other than the second most prominent country mentioned in the news today, which is, as I mentioned, Iran. Now, Iran is listed here by its ancient name, Persia, in verse 5. Do you see that? Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya. So the primary country joining Russia is Persia. Up until 1935, Iran was always named Persia. It was only since 1935 that Persia has been now since called Iran. Until the Islamic Revolution of 1979, Iran was actually an ally of the United States and Israel. Prior to 1979, the Shah of Iran was selling oil to Israel. But the Islamic Revolution changed all that. And now as a result, they're not an ally. They are a hostile adversary in the Middle East region, in the Far East region, and they need to be recognized as such. And Today, we are seeing a Russian-Iranian alliance that has never existed before like it does now. And we're seeing biblical prophecy fulfilled in our own day. So here's, for example, just a picture of how cozy it is right now between Russian President Vladimir Putin and Iranian President Hassan Rouhani. You know, they have engaged in nuclear deals, in arms deals. In fact, Within the last two years, Russia and Iran has entered into a $10 billion arms deal. I read this one article that talked about how it recently delivered its advanced S-300 missile defense system to Iran after years of debate over the purchase and warnings from the United States, but nevertheless, it, it happened. In the last couple of years, Russia and Iran negotiated a $10 billion arms deal, allowing Iran to purchase T-90 tanks, artillery systems, and aircraft from Moscow that are expected to keep the Islamic Republic fully armed over the next several years. So Iran will become fully armed over the next few years solely by the aid of Russia, to say nothing of the assistance in terms of nuclear capability. Russian National Security Council Secretary Nikolai Petrushev recently said this, quote, In the context of the statements made by our partners with regard to a major regional power, namely Iran, I would like to say the following. Iran has always been, which isn't really true, has always been and remains our ally and partner with which we are consistently developing relations both on bilateral basis and within multilateral formats. According to Alexei Pushkov, a member of the upper house of Russian legislature and close ally of President Vladimir Putin, Russia and Iran have created, quote, a durable alliance. He described Russia-Iran relations as, quote, a partnership which can evolve into a strategic relationship. So it's happening. Now, a little personal political commentary at this moment. I think that the Iran nuclear deal was a disaster. 
I'm thankful that our president, President Trump, withdrew the United States from that Iranian deal that was made in 2015. I think it's good for us to get out of that deal. But I also believe that the unintended consequence of that has pushed Iran and Russia closer together. Because now Iran has gone into the arms of Russia even more so. And I mean that literally and I mean that figuratively. They've gone into the arms of Russia. Russia's held their arms out for a big hug of Iran. And they've gone literally in the sense that now they are relying even more on arms, armament from Russia than they ever have before. The sanctions imposed by the United States on Iran, again, I think are good. I just think that the unintended consequences are that we're going to see this line up even more, what Ezekiel is talking about here this Russian-Iranian alliance, where they're going to become even closer allies as the United States pushes against both of them. So this is what's happening. We're seeing all of this emerging in our lifetime. Now, in just this past summer, June of 2019, at the end of June, Prime Minister of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu, called a trilateral summit in Jerusalem with Russia, Israel, and the United States, trying to coax Russia away from Iran. It was not successful, but in the middle of this trilateral summit, this is what Prime Minister Netanyahu said, quote, Israel will not allow Iran, which calls for our destruction, to establish itself on our border and will do all we can to prevent it from getting a nuclear weapon, end quote. And they will, friends. They will. They will take military action and they may go solo on it, but it's going to happen. So this is all kind of coming to a head. We're seeing some of this all beginning to arrange itself in a way that aligns with biblical prophecy. I'm always cautious to say that this is exactly what it is, you know, because I'm reminded even in our own history when during World War II, the church was convinced that Hitler was the Antichrist and Mussolini was the false prophet. And when they saw panzer tanks lining up against their churches, Christians thought, well, the rapture is going to come. And that didn't happen. So it's dangerous sometimes to always look at, you know, world events and say, this must mean this. But I think it's prudent for us to at least recognize what is happening in our day and see that it is very, very similar to some of the things that Ezekiel is prophesying about here in chapter 38. If you look further in chapter 38 in verse 5, we see other nations that align with this Russia-Iranian alliance. We see Ethiopia mentioned in verse 5. Some of your Bibles use the ancient Hebrew name Cush. We're talking about Ethiopia. That's also the region of northern Sudan. Ethiopia, according to the U.S. State Department, is 45% Sunni Muslim. And northern Sudan is uh, 70% Sunni Muslim. And then also joining Ethiopia is Libya, or some of your Bibles use the ancient Hebrew name Put. Libya is 97% Sunni Muslim. In other words, this represents the Islamic states of the Upper Nile region of Africa that will converge against Israel. And joining them in verse 6, Gomer and Togarma. Now, those of you who hearken back to the Andy Griffith days, don't get Gomer in your head that way. Golly, this is instead talking about East. Some of you young are like, what's that? Just Google it. You'll laugh. Gomer in biblical prophecy represents Eastern Europe. We're talking Germany and Poland. And Togarma is modern day Turkey and the area also that would include Armenia and Georgia. And so these nations converge. This Russian-Iranian alliance is going to be joined by Ethiopia and northern Sudan and Turkey and Georgia and Armenia and Germany and Poland. They're going to converge. But then 
In verse 13 here of the same chapter, there will be a few nations that question them. Like, what are you doing? Like, why are you coming against Israel? And among them listed here, verse 13, Sheba and Dedan. Now, Sheba and Dedan always go together in the Bible, and they are a reference to Saudi Arabia. Thanks for listening to Cornerstone Connection. Today's message focused on the prophet Ezekiel. Ezekiel is the Old Testament book that records the foretold judgments on the Jewish people living in exile because they chose sin over God. You know what? They kept rebelling. And I'm sure some wondered, why is this happening? Like them, sometimes I ask that same question. But you know, there's hope for all of us because God isn't a God of confusion. Sure, He'll send a fatherly reprimand because we sinned, but we can trust that He's still with us. He's like the flashlight in a dark room. He'll show us the way. If you liked what you heard today, there are many other messages waiting just for you at cornerstoneconnection.cc. Don't miss out on more from Pastor Gary. Take the time to go to cornerstoneconnection.cc today. You'll have no regrets. Cornerstone Chapel gets together each Sunday at 8.30, 10, and 11.45 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. to learn from the Word and spend time in fellowship. To find out more, go to our homepage. We believe in the power of praying together and for one another. So email us at prayer at cornerstonechapel.net with your prayer needs today. Thanks for listening to Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know You're not alone General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.